Just saying that if we could, we would, uh, we'd soar, is that what that song was saying? We'd soar up to heaven and make music with Gabriel, <laughs> if we could, to, just to speak at Jesus, Matchless Worth. <clears throat> well, I can't do that this morning, but I do want to uh, give Jesus honor and sp speak of his matchless worth. And... Uh, Speak about his words from Luke 15. I invite you to that uh, scripture. <clears throat> You're in for a treat this morning, not, not because I'm preaching, <laughs> but because of this, uh, these parables that Jesus taught. One, one Bible scholar called this chapter, Luke 15, the best known and best loved chapter of the whole Bible. Another writer described this trilogy of parables as most sublime. They are really wonderful words of Jesus here in Luke 15. Untitled the sermon, uh, You Finish the Story. This is an unfinished story of the last parable about the, maybe especially we'll be thinking about the elder son uh, in the parable of the prodigal son. And it seems like Jesus purposely left, didn't finish the story. We wonder what, how, how did the elder, elder son uh, live? How did, did he relate to his father and relate to his younger brother uh, later? Okay, I'll, I'll read Luke 15. Well, I want, I want some help this morning. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to read this uh, like I'll read kind of the moderating parts, but then there, then there are characters. There's the the shepherd in the in the that the first parable, and then there's the woman with the lost coin. I'd like for a sister to read those words, the, her her words. Then the younger son, the father, the servant, and the elder son. So. Um, Let's see, shall I point or will you volunteer? Who would read the shepherd's words uh, this morning as we read the text? I'll be glad just to appoint people if they're willing. <laughs> uh, Carlin, would you read the shepherd's words? And Susie, would you read the words of the woman and the lost? She says a few things about when she found her coin. Younger son, Tyler. The father, we need an older person to do the father. Let's see, who's, Art, would you read the father's words? Uh, the servant. Oh. Let's see, Car uh, I asked you to read something, did I, Carlin, or not? <laughs> the shepherd's words, I think. Okay, it's... Um, uh, when we get there, you'll notice it's in, in about, when he, when he finds a sheep, he says, rejoice with me. That's verse, the last part of verse 6, I think, is where that'll be. Okay, the servant, Jeff, the elder son, Naaman. Do I, have, I think I have everyone. And I'll read all the, except for the spoken parts by individuals, I'll read all the rest. 
Okay. Luke 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Then he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth he not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost and until it is found? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, that's uh, verse 6, Carlin. Uh, yes. Oh, that's confusing if you have another translation. Rejoice with me. Do you see that? Uh, Sorry, I've kind of put you on the spot, Carla. <laughs> okay, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek it diligently till she found it, and when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner that repenteth. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave him. And when he came to himself, he said, And he arose, and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, But the father said to his servants, And they began to be merry. And the elder son was in the, now the elder son was in the field. And as, as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, uh, the servant said unto him, And he was angry. The older brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore came the father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, And the father said unto him, Okay, thank you for helping with the reading. Well, let's think about the setting that uh, the context that Jesus gave these three parables in. Uh, Early verses here say that this, the publicans and sinners were drawn to Jesus. Well, who, who were the publicans and the sinners? Uh, the publicans were the tax collectors, and you know that, that Israel was under the rule of, of the Romans, and the publicans were Jews, but they worked for the Roman government collecting taxes for the uh, uh, collecting money from their fellow Jews for the Ro to give to the Roman government. And uh, the, so they were considered traitors. The Jewish people didn't like being under Roman rule. They wanted to be free. And so these tax collectors were considered uh, traitors, collaborating with the, uh, the foreign oppressors. They are also known to be extortioners, that is, they overcharged taxes and, and pocketed some of the money for themselves. Remember how Zacchaeus, see, when he came to his senses and, and uh, believed on Jesus Christ, he said, I'll give back, um, I forget how many times, more than he had taken wrongfully. So it was, it was common practice for the, the tax collect, the publicans to also be uh, thieves. And so they were shunned by their fellow Jews, and they weren't, they were excommunicated from the synagogues. They, they were really a shunned people. Now, the center, the other group here mentioned was, were the sinners, and uh, they were the immoral, the prostitutes, the adulterers, the thieves, and they were considered outcasts, and they were reject, rejected by. Uh, the rest of society. Now the Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders wouldn't have anything to do with the publicans and the sinners. Uh, they, they didn't want to be cont contaminated by them. They didn't want their uh, reputations to be tarnished by being seen with a, a publican or a sinner. If a prostitute or a thief would come around a Pharisee, they would look, they'd look down their noses at them and they'd, they'd sniff and they'd swirl their robes and turn away and uh, go, go sweeping away from, from the, uh, the publican or the sinner. 
But here it says that the tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus. Uh, wonder why. The chapter before, Jesus was talking about discipleship and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, they were drawn to him, it says, because they wanted to hear, uh, to hear him. So they were, they were interested in what Jesus was saying and teaching. And uh, Jesus was willing to be near them, and he would go to their houses to eat. And uh, so maybe some of this drawing was here, was a, here were people that were craving for some acceptance. And uh, they, they sensed Jesus' graciousness to them and that he cared about them and that he ming mingled with them and ate meals with them. They knew, that, they knew they were sinners and maybe they were longing for, for forgiveness and hope and deliverance. Uh, whatever it was that drew them, they came. They came to Jesus. And they wanted to hear more of his teaching. Now the scribes and Pharisees were astonished and shocked and indignant, and they, they murmured, These, this, this man welcomes sinners, they said to each other. And uh, he even eats with them. Now eating with someone means that we recognize them, we accept them, we uh, have friendship with them. And the Pharisees were horrified that Jesus would treat sinners that way. This man welcomes sinners. Pharisees were right. He really did. He really welcomed, he really did welcome sinners. Still does. At one time, just a few examples, one time a former prostitute came to Jesus while he was eating at a Pharisee's house. Jesus, Jesus ate at Pharisee's houses too. He wasn't selective with who he spent time with. So he ate with the Pharisees. And this woman, because of her great love for Jesus, just, just imagine this. At a Pharisee's house, a prostitute, former prostitute comes in and uh, she slept up to where Jesus was at the table and she was crying and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and she dried his feet with her hair and she kissed his feet and she anointed Jesus' feet with a cost, costly perfume. Can you imagine the stir going on around that table, the Pharisees? <laughs> they said, if this man was a prophet, he, he would have known that this woman was a sinner and he wouldn't allow her to do that. The reason she, she so loved Jesus because she had been forgiven by him. Another time, Jesus was eating at Matthew's house. This time he was at, at a tax collector's house. Matthew later was a disciple. The Bible says there were many tax collectors, sinners at this meal, and the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And yet another time, Jesus called Zacchaeus, you know this story, called Zacchaeus out of the tree, and he said, come down, I must go to your house today. 
And all the people that saw this began to murmur. And he said, he's going to be a guest of a sinner. And after Zacchaeus' repentance, Jesus declared, today salvation has come to this house. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Aren't you glad that Jesus uh, spends time with sinners and tax collectors? Jesus did receive sinners. The Pharisees were right. He did eat with them. He was friends with them. Now let's uh, enter into more into this account. The Pharisees were horrified and indignant. They condemned Jesus' friendship with sinners, but it seems like the Apostle, Apostle Luke, the writer here, is, a, is admiring Jesus for what he, uh, how he treated sinners. This was like a tribute to Jesus, to be a friend of sinners. Well, who do you, uh, you and I resemble most? Are we like the Pharisees, avoiding contact with sinners? Or are we like Jesus, who would seek them out and welcome them and befriend them? Let's be clear about something here. Jesus welcomed them, but he didn't condone their sin. He didn't compromise his living in any way. He didn't join in any sinful activity, but he, uh, he, was, he was yet the spotless, unblemished Lamb of God as he mingled with sinners. And each of the, there's three parables here. Each of these parables, he's calling sinners to, repentant, to repent of their sins. And that's, that's, that's the way Jesus went among sinners with a, with a purpose. That is to seek and save those that are lost. To save them from their sins. Yes, it's true. Jesus welcomes sinners and we must too. Authentic Mission work is impossible without welcoming sinners. Well, let's learn from Jesus' three parables. These parables really, remember this is, he's, he's responding to the Pharisees' comments. These parables really are contrasting the love of God who seeks the lost sinner with the exclusiveness, exclusiveness of the Pharisees' who shunned the sinner. I read a, this was, a, I read an old Jewish saying, it's not true, but it was somewhere in Jewish writings, some, some commentary I was reading had this quote, it says, this was a Jewish quote, there is joy before God when those who provoke, there's joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the earth. They didn't get that from the Bible. <laughs> they made that one up. Contrast that with what Jesus said, that, that uh, heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. Well, the shepherd had 100 sheep and one strayed away and was lost. And the shepherd... The shepherd left the relative, uh, the 99 in a relatively safe place and went out to find the sheep. Did, did the shepherd cross hot, parched desert? Did he cross the deep waters? Did he climb the mountain wild and bare? Was the road rough and steep through thorns and thunderstorm, like the song says? The shepherd continued his search until he found the sheep, the lost sheep. 
That's their persistent uh, Lord Jesus looking for lost sheep. And what did the shepherd uh, do after? Uh, why did the shepherd go after the lost sheep? He still had ninety and nine. One one sheep wasn't wouldn't have been that much of a fin financial loss if he already had ninety nine. But maybe it wasn't so much. Seems like it wasn't. The shepherd wasn't co co concerned so much about his loss, his personal loss. He was concerned about the sheep, the one sheep who was in danger. One sheep. The sheep was lost. Grave danger of predators. Sick and helpless, ready to die. And the shepherd's compassion for one sheep compelled him to go search till he found the sheep. That's, that's our Jesus. That's the way Jesus feels about people. Lost people, damaged and hurting and in grave danger, doomed for destruction. Jesus loves and cares and goes searching. Yes, even for just one. Yes, even for just you and me. And the shepherd takes the sheep in his arms. And, and you, I wonder if sheep, a sheep has feelings <laughs> after being out in the wild and in danger in the shepherd Strong's arms as he returns. We can imagine ourselves on the strong shoulders of our God, safe and secure, headed for home. The shepherd, as he, near, as he goes home, he calls out to the neighbors, rejoice with me because the lost sheep is found. And Jesus calls out to everyone. He calls out to the Pharisees, uh, rejoice with me when a sinner repents, just like the angels rejoice. He was, he was asking the Pharisees to rejoice with me when, when, when my mission is accomplished. He's asking them to be in sympathy with him with, and his mission in the world to rejoice when sinners repent. Repentance, by the way, is a ch change of mind, a sorrow for sin, Sorry for how we wrong, uh, how we wrong God, and also how we wrong and hurt others by our sin. Then it's turning around from away from sin and falling hard after God, falling hard after Jesus Christ. The next parable is the parable of the lost coin. This woman, not a wealthy woman, had ten coins and she lost one. A coin. Uh, what I read could have been one day's wages. Maybe she had earned it, or maybe her husband had earned it. But this was a significant loss for her to lose one coin. But this pers persistent woman turned the house upside down. She turned on the light and uh, swept the house. And this pictures a persistent God who pursues and searches for lost sinners till, till he finds them. And she, like the shepherd, after she found the coin, uh, called out to the neighbors, rejoice with me, uh, found the coin that was lost. And Jesus, again, is, is calling to the Pharisees, saying, uh, rejoice with me when a sinner repents. Be in sympathy with, with me in my mission in the world to, go, to, to, to save sinners.
I said earlier that the shepherd parable, in the shepherd parable, it shows us God's compassion and care for one sheep, one lost sheep. This, this, the lost coin parable maybe shows us more how valuable we are to God. One soul is valuable. One silver is valuable. One soul is valuable. Both parables show us that God and his son, Jesus Christ, are concerned about one sinner, every one, each one. And that means that he cares about each of us personally and individually. Aren't you glad that Jesus welcomes sinners? Now let's think about the lost son parable, this unfinished story that you and I need to finish. The younger son asks for his inheritance. I read that it's not real, terribly unusual for a son to ask for it early, but most often they get their inheritance at, before, uh, at the father's death. But the son wanted his money, and he wanted it now. In a way, he was saying, I wish my dad was dead. I could have been saying that. Uh, he was, he, in a way, he was saying, I'm disregarding my father's teaching and my father's blessings. Evidently, he wanted to get out, get out from under his father's restraints. And that's the way people are when they turn away from God, is that they, they want to ignore, disregard God's good instructions for their lives and turn their back on him and leave him. God didn't force him to stay. He didn't beg. Didn't force him to stay under his jurisdiction. Very simple. He gave, gave him his, his share of the inheritance. That's the way I understand it is that the elder, elder brother would have got a, a double share. But this young son got his share. And uh, very soon it was clear what his intentions were. And he, he left his father's house and he went off into a far country. And his self-will de degenerated into self-indulgence. That's, that's the way it almost always goes when a person turns from God. Self-will and then self-indulgence. And um, he, lived it, he was living it up, he thought, in the faraway country. But really he was plunging downward. He wasted his money, he was wasting his life, he was spending, he was spending, spending everything. He, he probably had friends for a while, as long as the money lasted. But when he... He, uh, when the money was gone, he no longer had any friends. They were nowhere to be found. I had a, a neighbor man tell me once that he, uh, he had, this was a man that had a drinking problem. But he said, he said, I have, I, I have funds as long as I have, have money <laughs> to buy the, buy the drinks. But when that's gone, I don't. I, and then he named a couple of Christian friends. So those are, those are the real friends that stick with me. Jesus said this man had no one to help him. He had a new, he had an owner, the owner of the swine herd, but but the man the owner didn't really care for him. Didn't give him anything to eat. So this destitute man gives us a vivid picture of human lostness. could be a part of our autobiography, couldn't it? 
straight, straight, this man strayed away from God. He had spent everything he had. He was hungry. He hired himself to a citizen of the far country. He was lost and he was alone. He was out of money, nothing to eat. And he was, he, he was miserably guilty. What a way to live. Men and, men and women are not made to live there in the far country. Men and women are created to live in God's house, a place of love and plenty and healing and wholeness and acceptance and security and sonship. Just think about the difference between living out in the far country and living in the Father's house. The lost son thought about home and, and the blessings of home, and he thought about his father. And he came to his senses, and he began his repentance. He became sorry for his sins, and he became sorrowful about leaving and hurting his father, and he, he decided to return to his father. And his father was waiting and watching and longing for his son to return. Uh, he, saw, he saw his son a long ways off, and he ran to meet him. I read this very undignified, and that would have been very undignified for an Jew, elderly Jewish man to run, to run through the village toward, to his son, but he did. His father, the father's heart was filled with compassion as he ran and, to his son, and he, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. And then the young man made his confession of repentance. Uh, sinned against the father. He confessed his sin. The father called for a beautiful robe and he put shoes on his feet and gave him the family's signet ring. And all this meant that the son was restored to the family. The father told the servants to prepare a, a prime beef for a great rejoicing feast for the son who was lost now was found. He was dead, but now he was alive. So the father gave his son a, a royal welcome home. And this, this is a picture of the wonderful grace of God to forgive sins and to, to adopt the repentant sinners into his family. Jesus welcomes sinners. Our Heavenly Father does too welcome sinners into his house and into his family. And now for the rest of the story, when we must finish it. The elder, uh, elder son comes from the fields and he heard the music and the, from the welcome home party and he asked the servant, what in the world is going on here? And the servant told him about the younger brother coming home and how the father had received him back and was honoring him with a party. And the elder son was angry, and he was peeved that the father made such a welcome for this brother who had disgraced the family. And I'm so impressed how not only did the father welcome and was gracious to the younger son, I'm so impressed how the father was gracious to the older son. And he went out and pled with him to be, uh, and was patient with him and reminded him that what had, uh, 
told him what had happened here. Here was a son who had gone astray and he's returned and he's repented. He was lost, but now he's found. And that's how Jesus ends the parable. And uh, he leaves it to us to finish the story. How did the younger son live after that? Did, did the younger son continue on in the father's house, respecting, loving the father, serving the father, uh, being rather than being selfish and spending his money on himself, being generous and loving with others? And did the elder son accept his brother, brother back, and did he learn to rejoice when a sinner repents? I think you and I, maybe, maybe some of us have been more in the younger son's shoes where we really wasted our lives and then came back to God. All, all of us are in, in, in some way in the younger son's sin. We're all sinners and lost and uh, need to repent and, and re return to God. Maybe we're in some ways more like the elder son who grew, we grew up in a, we're privileged to live, grew up in a Christian home with good uh, teaching and a well-informed conscience and, and hardly can remember a time when we turned our back on God where we, and wanted to love God and serve God. But sometimes that leaves us without a, without a, a real awareness what, uh, how a perfect... I'm sure we all know what sin is and the struggle with sin, but maybe we don't understand how some people so struggle with being bound in habits and, and sins. And, and maybe God wants to teach us something about compassion. We've all experienced, if, if, we're a, if, if you're a Christian this morning, you've experienced the grace of God in your life to be forgiven, be adopted into his family. Have we been like the older brother, brother, a judgmental of those who don't live up to our expectations? I suppose we've all sometimes felt, I can only speak for myself, sometimes felt better and above those who struggle with sin and problems. Maybe sometimes we're like the older brother who feel like we don't get the credit and the recognition <laughs> that um, we should, the blessing we deserve from the, from the Father. He kind of boasted that he had stayed and, and uh, father never gave him a party. He was kind of upset about that. Have we repented, repented of those kind of wrong attitudes? Are we really in sympathy with, and, and to, with Jesus' mission in the world of reaching out to sinners and bringing them to salvation? Do we really love and care for those who struggle with sin? I have, a, I have an elderly friend, a neighbor, who uh, just became a Christian just a few years back. And he has a, he has a smoking, smoking problem. He, last time I was there, he said, Sonny, would you pray for me? He said, I know I need, I need, I know I need to stop smoking. And I... I 
did pray for him. I, I do pray for him. He said, it's such a struggle. I just can't seem to break the habit. And uh, I believe God wants to deliver him, will deliver him. Do we really have compassion for people that struggle? Well, may God give us grace to finish this story well. If we're, if we're the younger son in the fold, to continue on living for the Father and following his son, Jesus Christ. And if we are more like the older son, to, to, to really have compassion for people and to really be uh, a partner with Jesus Christ in seeking those that are lost. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He, he welcomes them. He, he ate with them. When he was later on this earth, he ate with them. He befriended them. He searches for them till they are found. He left heaven's glory and bliss and came down to the dangers and hardships of this world uh, to, and miseries of this sin-cursed world to save sinners. Jesus had compassion on one lost sheep he cared that the sheep was hurt and wounded and lost and helpless and went out to save the one lost sheep. Jesus valued that, values one lost coin. He values one lost soul. He turns on the light of the gospel and sweeps the floor and persistently searches till he found, finds the one lost coin. Let's remember Jesus' words and uh, let's finish the story well to be a, a good son and also to share in, in Jesus' compassion for the world. I'll have a closing song and then I've asked Elvin to close the meeting.